Go wild with Nation Gear's end of regular season merch madness sale. Nation Gear is offering our favorite fans 20% off all regular season merch. And we're going to give you free shipping on any orders over $200. Stock up your closet for the playoffs. Rep your team and grab that merch you've been eyeing up all season long. Don't wait. This sale only lasts from April 1st until April 7th. Shop the sale at nationgear.ca. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is the Puck Poolies Podcast with Matt Larkin and Stephen Ellis. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Puck Poolies podcast presented by ProLine Plus. It's Matt Larkin here, as always, with Stephen Ellis. And Stephen, I'm deep in the fantasy playoffs, but I understand that in your tiny little league, you're not quite there yet. What's going on? Well, it's very intense right now. We, I, I've, I have clinched first place in the regular season, but second place, it literally changes by the hour uh, d- because the two teams have the same record, but they've got... Basically, it's just depending on who gets the most points that night ends up taking over second place overall. But for me, I played the team that is currently second and it was looking really good. I, I was saving a bunch of my my moves for the last day, trying to go out with a bang schedule manipulation. That's a big topic we've had on the show a few times. And unfortunately, I came up short by three points. Now, to put in perspective, like both of us had over 500 points that week. It was like one of the highest scoring weeks that either of us have had. And so the, the, to get be within three points of each other is very close. But I think the biggest issue there was just some of the guys that I picked up there on, on that last day just didn't produce. And um, I, I really wish I picked Jack Eichel. I really was like, oh, should I get Eichel? I'm like, uh, maybe not today. He gets a hat trick. Uh, that would have been the difference maker there. So I lost. And uh, But Joel Hofer got me a shout out on the last day that made that really close. But like I'm talking like I think it was in the last half hour of the night was when I lost. So it, it came down to the wire. Tight one. Tight one for me, too. I have advanced to my semifinal in my big league right now, but it was close. And I actually made one move on the final day that saved my match because my Nashville goalies in our league, we have goalie tandems. They had a good week, but then I luckily, because I was leading in a couple key categories, save percentage and goals against average, my opponent had no goalie games left. So I benched my Nashville goalies on Sunday night and that seven, nothing disaster that would have flipped both categories. I would have lost my, my quarterfinal matchup, but instead I won. I'm in the final four and the top two seeds are out. Michael Buble is out. Brian Costello, my former hockey news, our former hockey news colleague is out as well. So 
I might be the best team left in the playoffs, which is great. And now I'm against my father-in-law in a grudge match. So it's it's an epic playoffs right now. And uh, we'll see if I can keep it going. But it's been a good run. So I know a lot of our listeners are in their playoffs too. We may as well get going on helping them, Stephen. Let's do some pickups. All right. Let's start off with the Shallow League pickup of the week. And that would be Ricard Raquel. Yes, Ricard Raquel, Rickard Rackle, as I like to call him. And it seems like kind of a boring pickup, but that's sort of the point. So at this point, if you're still alive in your fantasy hockey season, I think you really need to make every start, every game you play, especially if you have a limit on transactions, you have to make the game count. And Raquel is doing a really good job contributing to so many different categories right now. So going into last night's game, I think in the last month, he was averaging 3.07 shots, 2.47 hits per game. You know he has a big role in Pittsburgh, and he's going to flirt with 25, 30 goals by the time the season's done, and it's just a valuable player to have in your lineup. He's not exciting, but it's just you need those guys that can do a little bit of everything when every start matters and you don't have – you might have a limited number of starts to use. That's why I like Ricard Raquel, available in 30% of leagues. All right, turn your head slightly to the right to go look at the goalie crease in Pittsburgh, and that would be Casey DeSmith. Okay, so – Originally, this pickup was going to be Casey DeSmith, but oh. I decided to throw a curveball and remove Casey DeSmith, even though the graphic says Casey DeSmith. So I'm, I'm choosing chaos right now. And I've pivoted to Josh Anderson of the Montreal Canadiens, available in 85% of leagues. And it's similar logic to what I'm doing with Ricard Raquel. In Anderson's last six games, he's averaging 19.29 of ice time. 14 shots and 22 hits, and he has six points in his last six games. Last 20 games, he's got seven goals and 15 points, 56 shots. You know he's always a big contributor in the hits category. Just with that roster stripped down, there aren't many contributors left, and there isn't much competition. As you see, Josh Anderson, a guy who's considered somewhat of a blunt instrument, is playing almost 20 minutes a night. So for the banger categories with a little bit of bonus contributions and goals and shots, it's a pretty useful player. And it's funny, I have... Raquel and Josh Anderson is the first two pickups. I actually have them both on my team right now, and they're helping me stay alive. So you should do what I do. Good. All right. I like it. And for the deep league pickup of the week, it's Charlie Lindgren from the Washington Capitals. Assuming you didn't change that. That's right. This one I'm sticking with, and it's important to pay close attention. Again, we're recording this podcast at 1046 a.m. Eastern on a Monday. So you have to base this pickup on the status of Darcy Kemper in Washington because we know he's a little bit banged up. But even if he isn't, I think they're still going to be a little careful with Kemper. The fact that he's a little banged up and I just I'm looking at the Capitals schedule. I'm really liking who they play. They have their next two games are against Columbus and Chicago at home. So if you're in a daily transaction league, you can monitor the injury status. I think Lindgren could be a crucial start this week if Kemper's out. Whether you're a Kemper owner, you should handcuff them. If you're not a Kemper owner, that could be some free, really nice numbers in there available for you. 85% available is Charlie Lindgren. So again, if Kemper's okay, maybe it doesn't matter as a pickup, but just go check the situation. Look for the injury update on Kemper. And if he's out, Lindgren makes for a very intriguing play this week. Okay, I like that. And the WTF pickup the week, Yuso Valamaki from Arizona, a guy that's been a very hot topic in the uh, the daily faceoff circles. Yes, and that's why I put him in the WTF category. It's, hey, people, what are you doing? You're not listening to us? We've been talking about Yuso Valamaki for weeks. We've had multiple different experts on the show talking about Valamaki, and he's still available in 82% of leagues. What are you guys doing? What is everybody doing? It's, he's He's been a highly impactful fantasy defenseman of late with Arizona just sort of on fire, putting up some monster numbers. And... 
He's got 11 points and four multi-point efforts in his last 10 games. He's got 19 points in his last 20 games. He's been a major contributor in the assist category in particular. If you just need points from the blue line, the way Arizona is sort of surging right now, you want Yusuf Valimaki. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Uh, I was very high on him when he went to Arizona. It was basically a free pickup for them. And it's, you know, Arizona is a team of opportunity uh, because they're not a good team. So when you get a guy who's maybe kind of like a man out somewhere else, that's an opportunity for him to really shine. And Valimaki's taking that opportunity perfectly, especially with Chickering out of the lineup there, uh, which, you know, I guess was for a while because he was held out for a while, but he's been stepping up in a big way. And the tip of the week, Jump the gun on pickups for your final. Now, that one's interesting. Yes, again, this is a very specific piece of advice, but that's where we are in this season. There are not many teams still alive, necessarily, if you're deeper in your fantasy playoffs. You need tiny little tidbits that could put you over the top. So if you're in a head-to-head league, take a close look at your score. If you're getting close to the weekend and if you realize that you have your match locked up, which sometimes happens. You look at the categories and say, okay, I don't think there's any way I can lose now. You can start thinking ahead because you're going to want to jump the gun. Let's say the other semifinal has a close matchup and those two GMs are going head-to-head and they cannot think about the next week. They have to make moves just to survive. And let's say your team is advanced. You can start looking at who has a great schedule next week. Get to those pickups before your future final rival can and you can get ahead of the game again this only applies if you're ahead but if you have that luxury by friday saturday start thinking and get the jump on your rival for the championship okay i like that i got to be careful this week because it is going to be very tough with the opponent i'm playing against i am playing the guy with mcdavid and uh, matthews and uh you know a bit of trash talking going on earlier but uh uh it's i don't this this is one i can't take I can't take your advice on this yet. I'm not in that position yet. That's fair. Yeah, it's tough. It's a very specific piece of advice, I know. But, hey, we're trying to help you get that tiny, tiny little edge that puts you over the top. So, Stephen, for the next segment, normally we'd have a guest, but we want to try something different this week. And I've just been thinking about the top fantasy stories of the year, the big breakouts, the surprises, and I want to play a game with you, and it's called Who is Next Year's dot, dot, dot. So we're going to look at certain major storylines this year and try and predict who's going to be the equivalent next season. If you're starting to think ahead to your keepers and your draft, we're going to obviously have a special keeper episode coming soon, but let's get the jump on it and let's get the game started. So I want to ask you first, who is this year's Jack Hughes? And when I say Jack Hughes, I'm talking about someone who goes from a very popular commodity to busting out into basically first round fantasy status. Well, I originally gave you a name and I've changed it and I'm going to go with Elias Pettersson out of Vancouver. I think this is someone where uh, at least in my pool, he did not go that early. I think people looked at the team he was playing on and uh, didn't have high hopes for them. And, you know, he's he'd never broken past the 68 point barrier. He'd come close like he had 66, 66 and 68 this year he could hit 100. And I think that's, given everything that's gone on with this team, uh, that's impressive. And we did see that with with JT Miller last year, which is why he was added to can't cut lists and why he's kind of hurt my fantasy team in the points this year. But the I, I just... Vancouver is eventually going to start turning this thing around and Pedersen is just kind of starting to hit his stride. He missed some time with injuries and everything. And uh, now this year he's been good. He's been healthy. He's playing the best hockey of his career. So I'd say this is the time to really start looking into him and saying, yeah, well, last Pedersen's one of the better players in this in the NHL right now. Yeah, I think you're bang on. And he's actually a big reason why 
I'm still alive. He's been my my main superstar this year, carrying my... I'm going to say Tim Stutzlove, the Ottawa Senators. If you saw on Twitter earlier this week, I had a stat. He had 99 points in his past 82 games. And uh, I think it was since January 1st, he's scoring at a 57 goal and 117 point pace. So this is a guy who, even in his draft year, of course, he went third behind Lafreniere and Byfield. But I think the perception was that his ceiling was still as strong as anybody's. He was a very dynamic talent. And if he could find a way to harness it, he had major potential, especially in fantasy hockey, and he's just blowing through that ceiling now. And I think he's hitting a level. I wasn't even totally sure he was going to get this high, this young. He's still only 21 years old, I believe. And he's already producing as a borderline 100-point player in terms of his recent pace. And that team is ascending. And I think next year we're going to see Tim Stutzler perform as a top 15 fantasy player, maybe better, maybe top 10. So he's someone that you're going to be I think okay for okay to reach for rather in maybe the late first round as soon as next season. All right. Uh, the next one going here will be the next year's Rasmus Dallin. And I'm going to go for Mort Sider to start off. And I think for him, it's kind of like Dallin the way he, he started off really strong. You know, I was like, Oh my gosh, this guy is the real deal. Then he kind of cooled off a little bit. And then as soon as Buffalo started to improve, he was a big reason why. And Detroit's kind of in that same spot where Detroit's a little bit behind Buffalo in the rebuild, but I still think they've got a pretty bright future. Another good draft pick this year can really help. And I do expect him with some Edmondson to kind of be, to make up one of the most feared blue lines in the NHL. I really hope they play together just because that's like just a brick wall of don't even bother trying to get past us, but uh, we'll see what happens. But um, with, with Cider, you know, a bit of a down year in comparison to his rookie season. Um, but I think that he, he is just got, you know, I, I was not one of the players or the people that were surprised when he was picked as high as he was. You know, some uh, outlets had him ranked a little lower. Um, I thought, you know, like he played really well against men. And yeah, he didn't play a lot because the team was really competitive that year and didn't really necessarily need him. But he showed signs of this guy who was going to be a number one defenseman in the NHL one day. And he is that in Detroit. Um, Philip Ronick not being there, maybe a bit more breathing room there. We'll, so we'll see what happens. But I uh, I would not want to bet against him. Yeah, I like that pick, especially because the heroic factor it got in the way a little bit earlier this season, both being right shots. So I think it's a good, very good call on the breakout. I'm looking at Jacob Chikrin. I've sort of been a ride-or-die guy for Jacob Chikrin this season in fantasy. Uh, I, do, I do see that he's starting a little bit slowly with the Senators. I actually just dropped him. I had him all year, but I'm deep in my playoffs. I needed someone that, that's sort of producing right the second, and I did just drop him today. That said, if I'm looking at the potential down the road, I still see a really special skill set, especially from a fantasy perspective, someone who can absolutely fill the stat sheet. He's a high-end source of goals. He shoots the puck a ton for a defenseman, and he's still he's he's above average, I'd say, in the banger category. So you could get something like a 20-goal, 65-point, 300-shot, 100-hit, 125-blocks kind of season. He's been close to that pace, especially in Arizona before the trade. And I think by next season, he'll be more settled into his new environment. Hopefully, he can get through a season healthy without getting banged up. And there are some some players that are supposedly injury-prone earlier in their, their careers, and they get past it. So maybe that happens. And just the fantasy environment is much friendlier in Ottawa. He's just got a lot of good talent around him. So I'm excited to see what he can do next season. I could see him taking a major leap forward. He, to me, and we've talked about it before, I, I think that he's such a 
high risk but high reward player high risk knowing he gets hurt a lot and i do hope that he does stay healthy but this is something that like i remember the first time i went to go watch him play at the ohl cup and he was hurt back then and that wasn't his first injury that season and that was like i don't know close to 10 years ago now at this point so it's been an issue but we just know the offensive impact he can have so i do like that one all right all right and then next up we're gonna have i think i'm going with okay it's who is this year's Linus Ulmark? So a goaltender who is, you know, respected, but all of a sudden just explodes to an elite level that no one necessarily saw coming. See, it's funny. The first I was thinking was Jeremy Swayman um, because I really like what he can do in Boston. I think he's a little underrated because his his goalie partner is playing as good as he is. But Swayman's numbers are really good too. But I'm going to go with a guy who was one of my favorites for the first half of the year, Logan Thompson. And, Part of it is I love this guy's story. You know, he was a good, good WHL goalie. Then he goes and plays a year in Brock University, which is kind of, you know, to with all due respect to you sports, you know, there's not a lot of players that go from there to the NHL and, you know, goalies especially where it was something like a 20 or 30 year wait. And he went out and fought his way up for the ECHL, played his way through the AHL, and then made himself an NHL starter. And part of the reason why I like him for that is he has always had to prove himself at every level. He has always had to go above and beyond. And this year, you know, for a while, his numbers were among the best in the league. And it did start to trail off, you know. I think he was getting played a little too much for a guy that had like just a handful of NHL starts before that. Uh, And there was no real proper backup to kind of be there and take the load away at the time. And, you know, if let's say, you know, Aiden Hills had his ups and downs, but let's say Jonathan Quick comes back and he's the backup next year and you got Logan Thompson as your starter, that's, you know, Quick can handle those spot starts, I think, perfectly fine. But then you've got a guy like Thompson, who's, again, just been proving himself at every level, but always having to do so much. I think that's exciting. So uh, for me, I'd say Logan Thompson's a one to watch next year. I can see it for sure. And I'm going to take this opportunity, Stephen, to push my Pyotr Kochetkov propaganda oh <laughs> one more time. This has been my guy all season long. But again, I always say this, money talks. You have to look at the salary structure of the Carolina Hurricanes. We know that their other two goaltenders are pending unrestricted free agents who are both injury-prone, high-risk propositions. And we know that Kochetkov got that really early extension so the team is already committed to him he has outplayed both of them as a rookie this season and i see no reason why they wouldn't let him be the starter next year and they bring in someone else or maybe they re-sign one of the other veterans to be the one b but i think he's 1a by next season and that is a goalie who's already been above average who's playing on a team that is consistently elite so a great source of wins and a team that's consistently outstanding defensively it's such a fantasy friendly environment and i think kachekov's ceiling could literally be a top five goalie as early as next season maybe he's top 15 but i'm talking ceiling the upside is massive and that is someone i think is going to be the breakout goalie of next season so now let's put on our 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 pessimist hats okay actually no we're not gonna we're gonna do pessimist last we're gonna do one more happy breakdown okay so i want to know who is eric carlson for next season so i'm talking veteran who out of nowhere just returns to being elite turns back the clock see I took a bit of liberty in this one uh, based on that specific description there, but I'm going to go with a guy that this is kind of his last chance of being uh, a star and that'll be Jeff Skinner. And, you know, this is someone who's up and down 
pretty much most years, but he's had, you know, two pretty solid years in a row. Uh, Buffalo's looked really good. You know, Tage Thompson having a guy like that in the lineup's good. Um, but, you know, I'm still just, I've seen, we've seen too much of his career where I can't really buy the, so many years in a row of being this good. Uh, at the same time, you know, he's, can't say he's getting that old, but he is going to be one of the older elder statesmen on this team. They're going to continue to try to phase in these young players and try to get those roster spots. You know, they've got a really good prospect base now. They got a really good young core up with the team, and they're going to continue getting some good picks in the next couple of years. So eventually, those older guys like Jeff Skinner will be kind of phased out as this team starts to get good. Uh, so I'd say this is kind of you know. I what he's been able to do to revive his career in Buffalo is awesome. And, you know, he was he was awesome when he started out in Carolina. He's been able to put out some good seasons in Buffalo. You know, when when we look back at his career, it's going to be, you know, pretty solid, pretty, uh, you know, very not not I, I don't want to say Hall of very good, but obviously just, you know, very, very good for the most part of most of his career. And uh, but I do think those days are going to be coming to an end soon. I like the pick. And I was just as you were talking, I was just looking up Jeff Skinner. It's crazy. He's only 30 years old still. And like he's going to be Patrick Marlowe. Jeff Skinner has a real chance to be the all-time Iron Man when the time is by the time his career is over. Because just like Marlowe, he started as an 18-year-old. He's going to hit a thousand games next season. He's going to hit a thousand games as a 31-year-old. So I think he has a chance to really make a run at the all-time games played record, which is also crazy because he's never played a playoff game in his career, which is like, come on, Jeff. You got to break through, my friend. Maybe, that's, pretty why, sure that's, maybe right. that's why he's played so many games. He doesn't have to worry about that extra playoff rush. Yeah, that could be actually a thing. That could explain his, his durability. Uh, so my, my old guy breakout next season is... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Going to be Patrick Kane. So if you look at the trajectory this season, he obviously was a little banged up with a hip problem and just so little to play for in Chicago. It was a grind of a season. His numbers absolutely went in the toilet. But as we got closer to the trade deadline, games suddenly started to matter for Patrick Kane again because he needed to showcase what he had in the tank. And of course, since the trade to New York, games have mattered as well. So I calculated uh, a run of 13 games that mattered so far for Patrick Kane. So I'm talking about his hot streak uh, in his final days of Chicago and transitioning to becoming a New York Ranger. That's a 13-game stretch. He's got 10 goals and 17 points. So to me, he's showing that when there's actually something to play for. He's not totally finished being a high-end player. So whether it's with the Rangers or he signs somewhere else, assuming he doesn't go back to Chicago, although maybe he goes back to Chicago and plays with Connor Bedard. You never know. But either way, I think he's going to be in a situation next year that's good for him in fantasy. He won't have to do to make the big emotional adjustment on the fly like he had to do for the Rangers where he started out with a, a couple of a weak games. So I think we're going to see a point-per-game season from Patrick Kane, if not better, next year. So now, Stephen, we'll do our our pessimist pick. So I want to know, who is your Jonathan Huberto for next year? So an elite player who suddenly just is a major bust and will burn you if you pick him too early. So again, I took a bit of liberty with this one and what we were considering elite, but someone who's been very valuable in fantasy and a lot more than the last couple of years, Jamie Benn. And this is someone who has put up a lot of points in the power play. A lot of multi-point games. Uh, the reason why, just in my own personal experience, you know, this is he's had a lot of three-point games, a lot of, of multi-point games, and uh, he'll still throw some hits. He'll still do everything. Like there's a lot of categories he still does very well in for fantasy. And from like looking at my lineup today, I'm actually surprised. Kind of just, I, I kind of forget he's there sometimes when I'm looking at some of the quality players I got. But he continues to do some really good stuff. He could hit 80 points this year. He's on pace for 79, so he's still putting up some good points. Uh, I just don't really believe this is a sustainable thing for a guy that, you know, had, what was it, three or four years where he couldn't even hit 50. So I don't know if this is something he's going to be able to do again. Uh, he is 33 at this point, And, you know, I'm, we, we really saw it, it was kind of like at the beginning of the year, he was getting all these points in the power play. And it seemed to be that's what really made sure he stayed up there and kept getting those chances this year when he wasn't playing great the last couple of years. But uh, good for him to be staying healthy, staying effective this year. I just don't believe that he'll be able to do that again. Yeah, he's got a lot of mileage as well, having multiple hip surgeries in his career. I think he had surgery on both hips at one point at the same time. Uh, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna make a pick that's. You could argue it's a bit of cheating because the 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 slump has already begun. But I want to highlight Bo Horvat. So Horvat with Vancouver leading up to the trade, all the chatter. Oh my God, Bo Horvat's on pace for 60 goals. And since the trade to the Islanders, yes, he's been helpful in real life, but. He has cratered in fantasy in terms of just offensive production. Five goals in 19 games, just fallen off the face of the earth. And his shooting percentage has almost regressed too far the other way, so it's actually unlucky. It's going to come back up. But I think what he's showing us is the idea of the 60-goal score or even a 50-goal score or maybe even a 40-goal score. He might hit 40 this year, but it's going to be close. But I'm talking perennial 40-goal score. It's not something to realistically expect. And just playing for the New York Islanders, they're just a different team. You don't have your Elise Pettersons and Quinn Hughes and guys like that all around you, your, your JT Millers, all these types of dynamic players. The Islanders are just not built the same way. 
and the supporting cast is just not as strong and they don't play as as wide open of a brand of hockey either so it's just not conducive conducive to big fantasy production and if you try to target Bo Horvat as a 40 goal guy and pick him in the first couple of rounds next year, even the third round, I think you're going to be disappointed. I think you're going to want to project him for something like his more traditional career line of, you know, high twenties, low thirties in the goal department and, you know, 55 points, that, that kind of thing. So if you're expecting more than that, if you're going to be looking at his final season line this year, which is going to be a career high and you're drafting him based on that, you're going to be disappointed. So, Stephen, we're going to end the game now, and we're going to switch gears to our prospect update. Who do you have your eye on this week? So, is it time to buy into the Toronto Maple Leafs hype? Maybe, but I'm pack- picking Matthew Nyes from the University of Minnesota. They're about to go on the Frozen Four run right now, which if you if you don't watch a lot of NCAA hockey, but you're interested, this is the time to do it because this is when the hockey gets really good. Um, but Matthew Nyes has been a guy who's been in the spotlight mostly because of fo- – which team drafted him with the Leafs, but it is expected when the season's over, he will turn pro. Now, whether or not he'll see some actual game time, I'm not really convinced either way at this point, Uh, but he's, you know, he's not the centerpiece, he's a winger, obviously, but he's kind of like the rock on this line with Jimmy Snuggerud and Logan Cooley, which has basically made up one of the best lines I've ever seen in college hockey. And, I've, I've mentioned those two guys already both on this show. So I guess we got to wrap up with the third and with nice, you know, he's a big player. He's six foot three. He hits hard. He knows how to score. He plays a very good defensive game. And I think that's part of it where, you know, he's, he's not really in the same ballpark um, numbers wise as Cooley or snug group, but he's been, you know, probably one of the more reliable players. He's already won a couple of awards and is someone where, you know, people are really excited about him. For me, I don't think his offensive ceiling is super high. So I'm actually going to give a bit of a different advice this week, which is if you get him, kind of dangle him to your Leaf fans who are really excited about him. Use this as a bit of a bait, the the tax of of which team drafted him and maybe use that to your advantage. But um, from an actual playing perspective, I think he's got a decent career as a middle six forward. Um, you know, if he gets 35, 40 points early on in his career, I think that's a huge bonus. I don't think he cracks 50 points in the NHL or at least on a consistent basis. But uh, I do think that he's going to be very valuable in a lot of other ways. Uh, it's too bad, you know, the d- defensive zone play isn't exactly a fantasy stat, but he'll block shots for you. He'll throw hits. So you, there's some other things there that will make him a valuable player in fantasy. But uh, I, I'd say, you know, he could be nice trade bait for uh, for someone in your fantasy league. Interesting. And even in the summer for keeper leagues too, people looking to speculate. Uh, I do think that Nice is going to get a shot with Leafs in the near future because I think just with his size and the Leafs lack a little bit of size, and I think just the left wing position has been a bit of a revolving door for them. So I I think we're going to see him contribute in the NHL this season. Kind of reminds me of when Chris Kreider joined the Rangers late in the season was part of the playoffs. I think it was 2012. It was at least a decade ago, coming out of Boston College, I believe it was. Uh, so I could see a similar like immediate impact there, just given what he brings with the sort of a power forward toolbox. Funny story about Matthew Matthew Nyes. I you know when you when you first mention a player's name, like every every player is originally a player you don't know about, and then you know about him, and then you learn their name. But I thought he was Matthew Nyes, and I was talking to uh, Toronto Marley's coach. Uh, Greg Moore about him. I was like, so Matthew Knees, have you gotten a look at him? He's like, who? Knees, who? Knees, who? Matthew Knees, who? He's like, wait, do you mean Matthew Nyes? I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> that was uh, that was last year. Now I know he's Matthew Nyes. Uh, okay, that's intriguing. Yeah, I, I think that there's there's potential there, especially 
in the hits category for Matthew Nyes. And we're actually, as we move on to our next segment, which is our best bet presented by ProLine Plus, we're going to stick with the Leafs. But this time, I'm going to be picking on the Leafs, Stephen. Um, so if you've looked closely, I wrote about this on dailyfaceoff.com last week. Since the Toronto Maple Leafs made all their major moves, they turned over six players in their starting lineup. They have nine defensemen that are legitimate NHLers at the NHL level right now. It's so crowded, but the results have been bad. They've been terrible defensively. They're getting absolutely shelled. It hasn't shown that badly in the wins and losses column, but this is not sustainable. In terms of shot attempt share, they're 28th in the NHL. They were ninth before March 1st, 28th since. So these trades, unfortunately, and I supported the trades so far as they're trying to find this chemistry, it's going terribly. And the Leafs are getting blown up, peppered by their opponents. And one of these nights, it's really going to bite them. So the Ottawa game, for example, the Leafs were utterly dominated in that game and it came down to the wire. I don't think that's going to happen this time. They're going to face a desperate New York Islanders team on the road, Tuesday night game. And I'm going to hammer the Islanders on the puck line and the money line. I think they can beat the Leafs with by multiple goals and i think they're going to win the game because the leafs they just can't keep doing this one of these nights they're going to run to a buzzsaw and they're going to get blown out like 6-1 that's how bad they've been defensively so i think tonight tuesday it's going to happen and the leafs are going to finally get blown out and maybe that'll be a wake-up call that whatever they're doing right now often trying the seven defensemen it's just not working so they've got to just find the chemistry with this new lineup and that is my bet what do you think Stephen? am i am i am i going too crazy on the pessimist side here, or do you think I'm right? Uh, you know, we've talked about how we both believe the Islanders are going to be one of the toughest teams to play if they make the playoffs. And, you know, this is a, a not a really potential playoff match, but this is one where you're looking at it and say, well, yeah, you know, this is a good opportunity to get yourself prepared for those playoffs. So I think this is one where let's see what the Islanders are made of. All righty. And a word from our sponsor, of course, ProLine Plus, not just another sports book, being the only sports book that gives 100% of the profits back to Ontario. ProLine has been your local trusted sports book for over 30 years, now offering Ontario sports fans more ways to play in store, online, or take the game on the go with the ProLine app. With your favorite sports and events right at your fingertips, download the ProLine app and bet in app with ProLine Plus today or head over to ProLinePlus.ca to learn more. Okay, Stephen, now it's time for some listener questions. What do we have? Well, the first question comes from a guy named I Hate Eggs. I'm not a big fan of eggs, but I'm not sure I'd make an account based on it. Uh, do you have faith in Vitek Vanacek heading into the playoffs? He can be hit or miss. I hate eggs. Just out there trolling eggs. What did eggs ever do to you? I guess maybe there's an allergy situation there. Okay, so this question is very relevant to me because I'm a VTech Vanacek owner. He's been with me all year. I've been on the ride. And so I've been obviously following him closely. He has been inconsistent lately. He's had a great year overall. And for most of the year, he was roughly a top six fantasy goalie. Uh, he's had an 886 save percentage since February 1st. So yes, the consistency has been a problem. I think it's absolutely because of workload. So he's at 41 starts now. That is a new career high. He's starting to break down. He's just never played this much in a season at the NHL level. That said, it's not like he's been consistently terrible. He's had some bad games, but he's had some really good games too. He's still delivering the odd gem of a game, right? So he's just sort of been a little bit hit and miss. And even in some of his bad games, he's still getting wins. The Devils are just a good team, and Vanacek's been a great source of wins. So overall, I still have faith. I'm not expecting elite goaltending every night from him, but I think he's still going to be above average the rest of the way. So I would stick with him. I'm sticking with him, and he's helped me 
make it to the semis in my league. So I think you should do the same and just understand he's not going to be a 940 save percentage guy for the rest of the season, but I think he can be 910. He's going to have a couple nights where he's 880. He's going to have some nights where he's 930, and he's going to overall be slightly above average. In the end, in the NHL, what matters most is winning those games. And you look at a guy like Jimmy Howard was this guy or Corey Crawford for a bit, you know, weren't necessarily going to get the greatest stats in the world, but they played on teams that were winning and they were being the, they were the guy getting those wins. So not every game is going to be perfect, but if they keep winning it, that's okay. That's fine. Next question comes from TML for the passion. And I bet you this is a Leafs question. Can Michael Bunting break out next year? He plays with good players, but not always consistent. Now, granted, he, he they've moved him around a bunch of times in this lineup. The Leafs have tried some really strange things as they've been trying to prepare for the playoffs. But uh, so that that's one thing I think kind of against him. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, the thing is, like the, the term breakout is interesting when you apply it to Michael Bunting because people forget he was 47 years old as a rookie last season, right? Yeah. So. Uh, joking aside, he is 27 years old. So even though he was Calder Trophy eligible based on what his birthday was, he is already at the age where the breakout would happen. And I think that was last season. It was the breakout. So I don't see him getting to much higher of a level than he's at right now, which is still pretty useful. I think he can be a 25 goal, you know, 55, 60 point given in that range. And maybe people are thinking about Zach Hyman, who sort of occupied a similar role the Leafs and suddenly has a big breakout in his late 20s to early 30s so people have to remember that is the exception not the norm I think we're most likely seeing the peak of Michael Bunting right now and that'll probably last for several more seasons but I'm not really expecting him to jump to another level he's already usually playing with really high-end teammates and I think what you see now is what you get which is perfectly solid okay I like that and the last question comes from Sebastian Harrison am I crazy but could I drop Eric Carlson now and actively stream his spot the last couple of weeks? Not a great schedule left with a lot of games on heavy number of games days. The offensive upside, not as great now with lacking support cast around him. Yeah, this is a tough decision. So with, with Eric Carlson, it's true. He is not being nearly as good with his help gone. Um, going into last night's game, I know he, he put some points on the board last yeah. night, but I, I had written it down. He was... I think he had eight points in nine games. It was a minus 10 since March 1st. So it's true. He's not being quite the same player. If you're in a really shallow league, like Steven's style of league, then yes, I could see you dropping him if there's someone who's a better option who's performing it better than a point per game. But I wouldn't force a Carlson drop. Even at his worst, he's still roughly a point per game player. He's still one of the better fantasy commodities. If you can absorb the hit, you're going to get it plus minus. So I think it really depends on who's out there. If there are just middling options, guys who are on hot streaks, you know, Guys like Rasmus Sandin, for example, who was suddenly a thing for fantasy owners, I wouldn't I wouldn't drop Eric Carlson for him. I'd say if there's someone who is perceived to be a tier below, but has been really reliable and in a really good role. So for example, someone like Vince Dunn, who's having a great year, he's pushing for, I think, almost 70 points. He's had a big point streak. That's the kind of guy I would consider dropping Eric Carlson for. Someone who has been slightly below Carlson, but might outproduce him down the stretch and has been reliable all season. But otherwise, I wouldn't force the drop of Eric Carlson. I like that. That's it for the questions. So we're going to wrap this up with our starting lineup. And this one, I think is a fun one. Uh, I don't like cooking food. I don't enjoy it a lot. It's, I, it's just not a, something I enjoy doing mostly is, you know, uh, at least from what I've been told, part of it is being able to smell the food. Since I have no ability to smell food, it's just kind of, everything's just the same to me. I don't really care, but mm -hmm. 
you are a normal person. So name your top foods to make. Yeah, this is a tough category because I am a massive foodie, but I often like to go out to get my food in restaurants, sit in restaurants to eat it. In terms of actual cooking, in my household, we have a weird division of labor, not weird, but just a division of labor. We're both roughly 50-50 in the kitchen, me and my wife, but I'm just really slow when it comes to cooking. I can do it, but I'm just so slow. I really follow. I'm less of an improviser. I have to follow recipes. So it's inefficient for me to be the main cook. I'm usually the cleaner. So my wife will cook the meal. I'll clean everything at the end. So we have a good system going. Uh, but when I do cook, I tend to gravitate toward comfort foods if it's home. So one of my favorite things is marinara meatballs. You get this homemade meatball. You put lots of oregano, delicious things inside to bind it together. You have Parmesan or mozzarella on top. You can make put them in sandwiches. Those are amazing. Uh, I'm a fan of any kind of pot pie. So it can be homemade pot pie or something that's bought that you cook. You're still cooking it in the oven. It's delicious. It's homey. A chicken pot pie. A steak and Guinness pie is also delicious. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to my wife's heritage, which is Maltese and hops pizzas. This is technically not something you cook, but you prepare at home. It's a delicious Mediterranean dinner. You have sort of baguette and the, the main protein is tuna and you add a bunch of delicious things, tomato paste, olive oil, onions, capers, and it's sort of a great kind of sharing snack where you, everyone can sort of build it in their own custom way. Really good. Um, I think there's a simple way to do chicken that I've had success with that I like. You just sort of baste it in olive oil, but you put inside the chicken's cavity delicious things like half an onion or a lemon and it sort of infuses it with flavors, also delicious. Exotic variations of mac and cheese, you can never go wrong. So for example, you're making the mac and cheese, but you take your chili from the night before, you dump it into the mac and cheese and you have chili mac, which is outstanding. So again, you see the theme here. It's a lot of comfort food. And lastly, it's not particularly inventive, but it's always good homemade pizza. So you get your supplies from a local, ideally mom and pop type of shop, your buffalo mozzarella or your burrata, your basil, your pizza sauce, you get your dough and all that kind of stuff. You put it together. It's a fun family activity if you have younger kids too. So homemade pizza can never go wrong with that as well. So that is my top six things to prepare at home, even though like you, Stephen, I still prefer to go out. I'm not really the best cook. I can do it, but it just takes me so long. So that's my starting lineup. See, it's kind of funny when I look at the like, I, I don't actually like going out for food necessarily. Um, like I like, uh, like I love game days where there's only food at the arena we're going to. That's always nice. But like, like I live downtown Toronto and I can tell you there's not a lot of places I've actually tried out in the last few years that I've lived here. But the one thing about homemade pizza is my parents, we always have uh, homemade pizza for, for Easter and for Christmas day. And it's great because I'm not a huge Turkey fan because I have a very different taste buds thing. Like Turkey to me, no matter what tastes very bland. Mm -hmm. So I'm always kind of like, I don't really want turkey. So we always get really good pizza. And um, whenever I make food, I like to put as much spices as possible. So I like I had spaghetti a couple days ago. And in the sauce, I threw 11 different hot sauces into it. Oh, yeah. That's because I can't. Your, <laughs> that's your style. I totally can see it that way, of course. Well, Stephen, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you, as always. Thank you to ProLine Plus. And we're sticking around for a few more episodes before our schedule will change when the hockey calendar winds down a little bit. We won't be as often with our shows in the summer, but that's not yet. We're still sticking with you listeners until the end of your fantasy season. We're going to help you if you're still alive and going for that championship. And let's hopefully see if I'm going to be in the championship next week, too. Wish me luck. And we'll be back with another episode next week.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.